0: 1 Peter chapter number 1, and we're going to start reading in verse number 3. Read through verse 12. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away. Reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations. but the trial of your faith, or our suffering, the trial of our faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Whom having not seen you love, and whom though now you see him not, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls which are now reported unto you, by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. Last week I told you about some POWs in World War II that were trapped in that Japanese prison camp. And I can't remember if I left them there or not. I can't remember if I told you what happened to them. Uh, They were in horrific circumstances, tortured, starved to death. They started out with thousands of them, and it dwindled down just to a couple hundred after three long years of of sickness and disease and, and hardship. Well, the Army Rangers, the first group of Army Rangers, came in and rescued them. They broke them out of the prison and were taking them home. Well, the problem was, but these soldiers who had been in this prison camp for three long years were just basically walking skeletons. Uh, they could barely make it through the day, uh, living on hardly any food at all for all these years. And they had to march 25 miles from the prison camp to safety. And they had to go through the, the jungle they had to go through swamplands. On top of that, the Japanese army was hot on their trail. And the, the soldiers of the Japanese army were embarrassed and angry that they let these men escape. So the leader of the army rangers was kind of in a bind. He had these hundreds of soldiers. Some of them couldn't walk at all. They had to carry him um, and help him walk. They stopped along the way and took a, the, the door off of a building they found and used that for a, um, a stretcher and carried, carried one man. Not only that, but his men had been awake for 72 hours because they left the drop-off point, had to march the 25 miles to get to the camp, fight the battle, get to the prisoners out of the camp, and then march the 25 miles back. And so they're going 72 hours without any sleep, carrying men that had to be carried. They were in a pretty, pretty bad situation. The men that were starving, so weak they could barely walk, malnutrition, disease. So to encourage them, or to keep them moving, he'd say, all right, guys, we just got a couple more miles to go. We're almost there, just a couple more miles. Even though they had 20 miles more to go, he said, "Just, just a few more miles and we'll be there. Well, after a few more miles, a few times, they figured out that they weren't almost there, but um, some of the soldiers had said, after the fact, they said, we didn't care. We knew he was lying to us, but we knew why he was doing it, just to keep us motivated and, and keep us going. But the strange thing was the fact was the fact that the longer the guys marched, the longer that they were um, on this trail, the more energy they seemed to get. One guy said that, he said, if you would have asked me whenever I left that camp, If I could have walked five miles, he said, I would have bet you $1,000 I couldn't walk one mile, let alone 25. But he ended up walking the whole way back. And he said the more he walked, the more energy he got, and the more he kept on. He said it was a strange thing, and, and they just kept that motivation up all the way. Why? Well, they were walking home. They thought about what they had waiting for them. They thought about mom and dad back home. They thought about uh, their wives. Some of them were married, and they thought about their hometowns, what they wanted to do. They remembered where they were. They thought about where they were going, and that made them thankful and, and encouraged them. And then they started singing songs, and they started talking about going home, and, and they, they made it. They, they made the march back. They also thought about those thousands of men who didn't make it. And they, some of them talked about how they were walking, because they had to march into that prison camp when they were captured, and they thought about all the men that died on the way there and the, the people who died in that home, and they were just thankful that they were one of the numbers who got out, thankful for the army to come and remembered them, thankful that they were going to finally get to go back home. Peter writes this letter to scattered the scattered strangers. He writes this letter to pilgrims, foreigners. You and I have our citizenship in heaven. And so he wrote this to foreigners who were in a, we're in a, a foreign land. This is not our home. We have our citizenship in heaven. And what Peter is doing is encouraging us who have to go through trials and hardships and bad situations and, and heartaches and and temptations and all these sorts of things that you and I have to endure in this sin-cursed world. And Peter's not like the army ranger uh, leading us, lying to us and saying, it's going to be okay. Some, Some preachers do that. They say, well, you believe in Jesus, your life will start turning out better. You believe in Jesus, you'll get healed of that sickness. You'll have money to pay the bills. All the bad things that happen will be turned over. Well, Peter's not going to lie to us. It's not like that. Peter tells us the truth. He tells us that the trial of your faith, he talks about the season of heaviness and manifold temptations. But what he is doing is he is encouraging us. Because in verse 13, we're not looking at that tonight, but he'll say, wherefore, because of all this, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Gird up the loins of your mind or, or get ready for battle. Get, don't give up, press on. So he's encouraging us as we make our journey home. He's helping us as we march as pilgrims in this in this world, heading home, marching through enemy territory with an enemy that hates us, right? Uh, and sometimes hot on our heels. He encourages us not to give up, not to despair, but press on. He tells us the truth of of where we're at, but he also tells us the truth of where we're going, what we've been given, and who we are. And that's a truth that can give us endurance. That's a truth that can give us um, motivation to press on. That's a truth that can help us Put things in perspective. Whenever we forget about God and forget about God's promises, the problems of this life get really big. And the enemy gets really big. There's a book, I believe it's called, When People Are Big, Uh, God Is Small. And what the author meant by that was, when you make people bigger than what they are, if if you have a fear of man, fear what they're going to say about you, Fear about what they're going to do to you. Fear about what they're going to think about you. Fear about their opinion of you. Well, you've lifted man up so big, God becomes small in comparison in your heart and in your mind. And what he says, what you need to do is read the scriptures and see what God, the Bible says about God and who he is and how big he is and how powerful he is. And fear him. And when you look at God and you turn back and look at man, you're, you're like uh, the scripture what, what, uh, I will not fear what man can do unto me. that's what David did David looked to God saw the, the power of God the majesty of God and was unafraid of what man could do to him well what's our text telling us starting in verse number 10 well the final salvation well actually verse number 9 receiving the end of your faith the salvation of your souls What's it? We Our final salvation, receiving our inheritance. This was the salvation that the prophets investigated. It's what the prophets sought out and looked into and, and studied and searched diligently and, and explored. These men, saved by grace, yearned and desired and longed to know more of their Savior who would come to redeem them these prophets foretold the grace that should come and come to you, child of God. The grace that should come unto you at the end of verse number 10. Isn't that amazing? They prophesied of the grace that should come to you. Not only you, of course, but not limited to you. Truly, they prophesied of what you have. And these prophets spoke of the grace of God and salvation. They searched and inquired about the what and the when concerning the sufferings of Jesus Christ and the glory that came after. As they were carried along by the Holy Spirit when they penned their prophecies, what was it that they investigated? What was it that they searched diligently into? Well, that which the Holy Spirit gave to them. That which the Holy Spirit meant when he testified to them of what would happen. And so they testified and gave witness to something that hadn't happened yet, which was the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it was revealed in the Old Testament prophets that they were ministering not to themselves. So since the the Messiah had not come. The Holy Spirit revealed to them that they weren't preaching to themselves but all to a people who were to come. That would be us. These truths are now being shown and declared in you by those who have preached the gospel, it says. It was revealed from the Holy Ghost that came down from heaven. The same Holy Spirit that spoke to the prophets and the same Holy Spirit that spoke to the apostles is the same Holy Spirit that indwells us and that we have the, the light of Scripture from His Word to know these mysteries that have been revealed to us. The revelation of this mystery has been revealed by God. So these truths are of such great value and such great worth that the angels themselves desire to look into it. That this precious truth that God gave the prophets and then was opened up and explained and expounded by the apostles is a truth that come, has come down from heaven, a mystery that was revealed of the mind of God, so precious and so valuable and so wonderful that the angels themselves desire to look into the things that we have is a testimony of what God has given you and the salvation that you have and the grace that you have received. This is an encouragement that Peter shows us that not only do we have salvation, but this is a salvation that was ordained from before the foundation of the world that has an end in our glorification to receiving the inheritance that is reserved in heaven. And though we may suffer now, we will be found to the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ at the end. And though he suffered he it was testified of his sufferings and the glory that should follow after so this passage adds to our encouragement as pilgrims we can take comfort in that what we've been given was not just some random thing that happened to us and we're not just randomly wandering about in time and space We are God's elect, chosen unto salvation, and part of God's plan. God made provision for us in his plan of redemption. God has promised to finish the job. God has given us an inheritance that's reserved in heaven. God has promised to keep us that we might receive what he's promised to give us. God has worked in eternity past Planning our redemption. God inspired the prophets of the Old Testament to testify of the grace that should come. God had moved the apostles to to preach the gospel and to uh, give the revelation of the mystery. And God is working for our good in all these things. He was working for your good in the Old Testament. He was working for your good in the, the writing of the new testament and peter wants us to be encouraged by all of these facts that our salvation um, is secure in the plan of god and the purpose of god and the power of god and so what we're going to do is just let's just work our way through this passage and consider how god encourages us in this way so verse number nine talks about the end of our faith even the salvation of our souls and it is this salvation. So, earlier in the text, it said we're kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Well, here, sort of a, a repetition of what he said, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation the prophets have inquired. So you see how um, that, that phrasing has been Um, repeated twice there Um, in verse number 5 and then down in verse number uh, 10 and 11 so what were the prophets inquiring about what were they searching about well the prophets were searching their own writings They they were searching the Old Testament they thought about what God had given them So, some some of the prophets were given visions. So, like Ezekiel saw things. He saw those wheels and the visions of all those things. He saw them and and he wrote down what he saw. Um, Daniel, you know, dreams. Some of the prophets um, were were carried along and moved along and, and wrote what the Holy Spirit would have him to write. So David, for example, was inspired by the Holy Spirit as he wrote his psalms. And David might have had one thing in view when he wrote the psalm. You know, the the heading would say, this is a psalm that was written when he was hiding in the cave whenever uh, he was on the run from Saul. And so we know the time. We know Psalm 51, of course, was written after his sin with Bathsheba and he repented of that sin. But there, were, <clears throat> there was more to those writings. And they knew there was more to those writings. And the, they thought about what God had given them. They had thought about what God had provided them. So it's not as though they were in a trance, just dictating from heaven, that they, they just closed their eyes and their arms started moving on, on pen and paper. And they didn't know what they were writing. They knew what they were writing. They understood the words they were writing. It wasn't unintelligible for them. But there was more there than what they were able to discern. And they knew that. They knew there was more there. Isaiah knew that that his prophecies were about the Messiah. But he wasn't able to piece all of it together. He knew Isaiah 53 was about the Messiah, that he would suffer. But he also knew the other passages were about the Messiah, that he would rule forever. And so he thought about that and prayed about it and tried to piece these things together. They understood what they had written and had deeper meaning than what they understood themselves. But they searched these things diligently, knowing that they prophesied of a grace that should come unto you. They prophesied of grace. There's only one way to be saved. There's only one way to be saved in the Old Testament and the New Testament. That was by God's grace. And so as as they looked into these prophecies of the Messiah who should come, they knew that they were prophesying of a grace that should come unto you. A grace that is through the work of the Savior. This grace is speaking of Christ's work. And so as the Old Testament prophets prophesied, they prophesied of a grace that has come to you. You can read Isaiah, and you can read Jeremiah, and you can read um, the Psalms, and you can read through the Old Testament where it testifies of Jesus and know that this was a grace that was for you. That's why I don't... That's why I preach from the Old Testament, because the Old Testament was a grace... Written for us. I know some people don't preach from the Old Testament because they say, well, I'm not, I'm, in a new, I'm a New Testament preacher. Well, that's fine, but the New Testament says that the Old Testament prophets wrote of the grace concerning us. The Old Testament was written for us, and it would be a shame not to ever preach from or study from or read the Old Testament because it was speaking of Christ's work for us this is an encouragement to me it's an encouragement to you because the prophets looked to what we would have in the new covenant have you ever read the old testament and said man i wonder what it'd be like to to be in the temple or to see the tabernacle to see the shekinah glory of god wonder what it would have been like to be there in the and eat the manna. Wonder what that tastes like. That would have been something else. See the Red Sea party. How wonderful it had been to to experience what Daniel experienced, or to walk in the fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. How powerful mighty it had been to, to do what Elijah did and see what Elijah saw. But I believe what Peter is telling us here, as they were looking and searching of the grace that was to come to you, searching in verse eleven of what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it's testified beforehand the suffering and the glory of Christ to follow. Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported. I think that these Old Testament saints would have longed to live in our time. We look back and say, Man, that'd been cool to see all these miracles in the Old Testament. But Abraham saw the day of Christ and rejoiced, Jesus said. Moses, standing on the brink of the promised land, looked and and longed to enter into that rest. And so did Joshua. So did David, who longed to be in the house of God. Truthfully, I believe that Elijah would have preferred to live in our times. And Job would have preferred to live in our times. To have what we have. Which is the knowledge of. The, the revelation of the mystery and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Could you imagine living in Job's time before there was an Old Testament? And what little light that he had and what little light that he went by. Who didn't understand what was happening to him and didn't have a, a, a Philippians to go to and didn't have a, a Corinthians to go to to know that the grace of God was sufficient for him in his trials. They didn't know... Um, the things that we know and didn't know the the revelation, the end of the story like we know it? Think about Elijah who testified to Ahab about uh, the sin that had been committed in the land and the punishment that was coming through the drought. And for three long years, he, he lived either by a creek until that dried up and he went and lives with a widow woman who only had enough food for that one day. And then every day they just had enough food for that one day and just lived miraculously like that for that period of time. And then finally goes to battle against the prophets of Baal and stands before the people of God. And, and God brings down fire from heaven and, and shows himself to be strong and mighty. Then he, uh, Elijah has the prophets of Baal executed and he, he's thinking everything's going to change. I kind of think that Elijah thought that after the battle had w- been won, that the years of suffering had been over and the rain was coming, that a revival would start in Israel and that maybe this would be the time when, when the people of God would turn from their sins. And so he goes back and meets Jezebel Jezebel said, well, I'm going to have you killed just like you killed my prophets. He takes off and he runs back and he sits down depressed and is ready to die. So I'm not even better than the gods who went before me. Nothing's going to change. All this happened, all this punishment, all this, this heartache and all this sorrow The Lord showed himself mighty and and nothing's going to change. This isn't the beginning of the glory of Israel. Jezebel's just going to keep on being Jezebel and Ahab's going to keep on being Ahab and, and Israel's going to keep on being Israel. And here I am all by myself and all alone. Elijah didn't know the end of the story. Elijah didn't have the picture that we have. Elijah didn't know all the truths about Jesus that we know. He didn't know all the truths about his return and his kingdom and the new heavens and the new earth and our inheritance and our adoption. He didn't have all the mystery revealed. He just had parts of the puzzle. And he longed to know. Of course, God comes and talks to him in the still, small voice, and it was... It was God's word that encouraged him and it was God's word that had helped him. But what do you and I have? We have God's word. We don't have to go up into a cave and wait for God to, to speak to us. God has declared loudly in his word and has revealed the mystery to us. So Peter can say, we can rejoice though we suffer because it's just a season. And we, if we are in heaviness, it's because it's needful for us. And this trial, of your faith is more precious than gold because it will be found to praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus, that Jesus is coming back. Him whom we have not seen, we have loved. Now, the Old Testament saints look forward to the coming Messiah and they had faith in the, the coming Christ over you and I can read of Jesus. We can read of him and what he did and what he said and who he is and we can see the glory of God in the person of the Son and we can see the express image of God in the Lord Jesus Christ whom we love though we haven't seen but we believe him. And we can rejoice in who he is and what he's done for us and we can look back to the Old Testament and see how the Old Testament prophesied of his suffering and his glory and we can see how that was un. Uh, revealed and fulfilled in the New Testament. It is a blessing that we have these things. So when we're suffering and life is hard and we're tempted, and might be like Elijah, just tempted to give in and give up, remember what you have. We have the story of Elijah. For one, we have the story of the Old Testament, but we also have the, the answers to those puzzles that they puzzled over in the New Testament. We have the big picture. We're not in the dark about these things. We know how the story ends. We know what's waiting for us. We know what God has given us. We know how Jesus has made this all possible. The Holy Spirit revealed to them that there would be further revelation later on. In verse 12 it said, Unto whom it was revealed, it was shown to them, that not to themselves, but unto us they did minister these things. So they knew in some future generation God would shed more light on the truth that they wrote. So they were ministers to a people who weren't yet born. I just think that's amazing to think that Isaiah was ministering to me. Isaiah was writing to you. You, know, you don't want to make the Bible... The Bible's about Jesus. It's not about ourselves, but but it does tell us that they ministered these things that are reported to you. So... It, The Bible is about Jesus, but it's given to us, for us. The Old Testament was given for you. It was written for you. That God intended his word to be beneficial for you. He intended the Old and the New Testament to benefit you and to bless you and to encourage you and to rebuke you and to guide you and to put you on the right path and keep you off the wrong path and to show you Christ. Robert, and said, the sweet stream of the doctrine made its own banks fertile and pleasant as it ran by and flowed still forward ages after ages. And as time went on, more such prophecies grew larger as it proceeded till it fell with the main current of the gospel revelation. And thus, united into one river, clear as crystal, this doctrine of salvation has still refreshed the city of God and shall continue to do so till it's emptied itself in the ocean of eternity. I thought that was a really good way of putting it. It's like a little tiny stream trickling out of the mountain. And Revelation continued on. And so, there in Genesis, to Adam and Eve, it was just a little brook trickling out of the mountain. And then you go through Re- Genesis and Gets a little bit bigger and a little bit wider, and you go through Exodus, and and the the banks are start, or start of the creek is getting a little bit bigger and deeper, and and a little bit more fertile. And as the ages go on and on and on, the the progressive nature of God's revelation shows more and more and more until we get to our time. We have this uh, blessing river clear as crystal full of the, the grace and the truth that God has revealed through the ages to us. And now, by looking to Christ, we can go back and see what was meant by the Old Testament. It's amazing to consider this history of redemption, God's plan of salvation, and the covenant of redemption, and then see the plan unfold in history and in time. Um, this is calls for worship and encouragement that, that the people's lives, the people's um, the the events in their history was ordained for us that we might know more about Christ. It's like we're looking at Ruth on uh, Sunday morning that her life was ordained that it might be written for us that we might see Christ. It's a cause for comfort and security that we're not broken off from God in some uncharted territory. We're not some... Random group of people, but we're part of a long line of God's people, who God has known from eternity, and that God has planned to keep by His power and provided for by His Word for our good and our comfort from ages past. We might take some comfort in some from saying, "Well, I'm an American." My parents were Americans. My grandparents were Americans. My great-grandparents were Americans. And, and you know, take some comfort in, in citizenship. But, you know, the country's not that old, really, compared to the 6,000-year history of the earth. A couple hundred years is not very long compared to thousands, is it? You and I can look at the Scriptures and think of how the truth has been given to our brothers and sisters in Christ through the ages, across the world, all the way through time, and throughout um, the world. And we're part of, of God's plan. And We're part uh, of God's family. And that he has been providing for us, you in particular tonight, he's been providing for you for thousands of years um, in the preparation of giving you this word here tonight. It's, it's amazing to think of God's care and design in, in these scriptures, and these prophecies for us. It said that it was testified beforehand the Spirit of Christ testified of, of Jesus hundreds of years before the cross of Calvary, thousands even. Christ gave the testimony through the prophets of his suffering and his glory and the salvation that he would make sure and obtain for his elect so Psalm 22 Isaiah 53 Daniel 9 Zechariah 12 vivid and explicit detail of the death of Christ is laid out the suffering servant the sacrifice and atonement is laid out on the pages of the Old Testament the prophesied te- prophets testified of the sufferings of Christ that he would endure for our salvation. His suffering is the purchase of our salvation, Biden said, and his glory is the assurance of it. He is our head and has triumphed, and his crown makes it likewise sure of our victory and triumph. He entered his possession of glory, makes our hope of inheritance sure. And so they testified of his suffering for our sins. They testified of his glory, which is hope of our our resurrection, our glorification. So, Peter says, the trial of your faith is more precious than gold that it might be found to the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus. Then in verse 11, they talked about the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. You see what Peter has done there. He talks about your suffering, which is only temporary, that might be found at the praise and honor and glory when Jesus comes back. Then he said in the Old Testament, the Spirit of Christ testified of the sufferings of Christ. And the glory that shall follow after. It testified of Christ's suffering. And then his glory. And Peter reminds us that our suffering now is temporary. That it might be found into praise and honor and glory when Jesus comes back. Christ suffered and died. And rose again unto glory. That we might... Be with him and have what he has. It testifies of what Christ endured, his resurrection, his glory, that we might have encouragement when we suffer, because our Lord suffered. And we might have encouragement and hope and glory because our Lord is in glory. So we have a living hope and a living Savior. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, the data. Uh, he says there in verse number 3 to that inheritance. Why? Because Christ suffered and is now in glory. And he is glorified. We will be with him because of what he has done for us. So the, the Old Testament saints prophesied of that. See we know more than the saints have passed because of the blessings of the new covenant. We have the blessings of the Holy Spirit in the new covenant. We have the blessings of a local church rather than having to go to Jerusalem and meet. So how blessed it would be to to go to the tabernacle and to go to the temple. Yeah, I'd be blessed if you lived right next to it. How blessed would it be if you lived on the other end of Israel? Not too blessed. Because that's what Jeroboam used as an excuse. Don't go all the way to Jerusalem to, to worship. We'll just set up a place, an altar here up north where you don't have to go all the way down there because it is a long journey to have to walk that far to -hmm. worship think about that so far away to travel to go to 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 the house of God you and I have the house of God here and we have the word of God here and we don't have to go to a priest who lives in one city and that's the only place that he lives but we go straight to the Lord Jesus Christ and we have this mystery revealed. See, Isaiah didn't have all of it. He was missing some puzzle pieces. Crystal and I bought a puzzle one time and we got it out and we laid all the pieces down and got them all a situation where you can look at them and left it there for a little bit until uh, I think a dog one of the animals ate it and so there we had a brand new puzzle but we didn't have all the pieces and that's about the most worthless thing in the world I think is have a puzzle without any pieces in it well Isaiah had some of the puzzle pieces but he didn't have all of them but you and I have all the puzzle pieces and the apostles put them all together for us so don't go back to the Old Testament and say, well, that's the Old Testament, so I, I don't need to... I need to think of like Moses would have thought, and don't read the Old Testament in light of the New Testament. That'd be like working a puzzle and throwing away all the corner pieces. We have the whole picture. Besides the Old Testament book, authors were carried along and moved by, notice, the the Spirit of Christ in verse number 11. Think about that. The Spirit of Christ uh, inspired the Old Testament uh, writing. So the Old Testament saints had the Spirit of Christ. The Old Testament was written, authored by the Spirit of Christ. Jesus said the Old Testament testified of Him. So wouldn't you think that we ought to to read the Old Testament in a Christ focused way. If the Spirit of Christ is the author of the Old Testament and the the authors were moved by the Spirit of Christ then we should read the Old Testament in a Christ focused way. This was such a blessed book that the angels themselves desired to look into it. The Holy Ghost, which was sent down from heaven that that inspired the apostles, is the same Holy Spirit that inspired the Old Testament writers. It is the same author. The Old Testament and the, the New Testament is the same divine author. Telling the same story of redemption for his people. And so the angels looked in and studied these things. What did they study? Well, they probably look at these things and, and wonder at forgiveness angels don't get forgiveness angels don't have pardon they don't know anything about that they look at these little creatures that that sin and got forgiven the angels that failed they didn't get redemption they're not going to be saved as some people surmise uh, they have no savior they have no deliverer and the angels look into these things and study them and, and wonder at the glory of God, that the Son of God died for us. And they read and they study, or, or not read, they, they look into these things and they, they, they study the, the truth. They, they glorify Christ. Some people look into angels and, and get all obsessed about angels. But angels are looking into what Christ has done for us. And if the angels look and study, how silly of us for to think that we know it all. They investigate and look into redemption. What a motivation for us. Well, how does this help us as we close? Well, Peter doesn't say we don't have any pain or we won't have any problems. He doesn't say that Christianity takes all of our sorrows away or or heals our sicknesses or pays the bills that or will escape per- persecution. Peter gives us the truth. But he gives us the truth that encourages us to to press on, to hang on, to keep looking to Jesus. You have a salvation that's sure. You have a living hope. You have a living Savior. You have an everlasting salvation. You have a secure salvation. You are kept by the power of God. You have an undefiled and incorruptible inheritance. The faith that you have is a gift from God that though it's tried there is an end to your faith by the power of God the salvation of your souls and is of such great value and wonder that the, the prophets spoke of it and inquired of this this faith and grace and salvation that your position in Christ and your blessings in the New covenant is such that the prophets long to know and to have what you know and have and would have traded places. Positions and times to know what you know and to have what you have. We know what's going to happen. We know what will happen to us at the judgment. You know what's going to happen to you at the judgment. You are safe. You are free from condemnation. That you have everlasting life. You're not going to be judged and, and cast into hell because you're safe in Christ. We know what Christ has done. For us, and how it was accomplished, and how it is applied, and what we're waiting for, and the glorification that we have, your blessings of the new covenant are so wonderful that the Spirit of Christ that indwelt the 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 prophets to minister to you and for you, the apostles wrote and spoke for you. All these things, a gift of the of God, the Holy Spirit, a heavenly message that has come just for you tonight that you might be encouraged and blessed by looking to the Savior. A message so grand that the angels study and marvel. Oh, God has done all for us. He has chosen us. He has saved us. He has protected us. He provides for us. He has given us knowledge of him. He has given us the hope that we have and the faith that we have. And so Peter says, let's go. Keep marching. Keep going. Keep looking to Christ, because we know how it ends. We know what we got waiting for us at the end of the road. We can keep marching. We can keep pressing on, despite the battles, despite the persecutions, despite the hardships, despite the enemy's assaults. We can press on. We can march on. Because of the power of God that keeps us, and the hope in Christ that we have for our um, in our glorification. And I pray that the Lord would give us grace and faith to look to him, to trust in him, and to be encouraged um, by his promises.